Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Gentlemen and ladies, this is James Marshall reporting for the TNL Lockdown Podcast direct from the Nelson Room in Coimbra, Portugal. I have this evening a very special guest, not here with me, but there with himself and about to join me through the power of technology and astral travel to discuss many a thing, the one, the only, Zan Perion. How are you doing, Zan? I'm fantastic. We're not, allowed to, me. we're not allowed to say that. We can't say we're fantastic ah, because okay, the, I'm, the world I'm is fairly middling. Deep. All right, yes. <laughs> uh, my, my, my very first question to you is, why have we never hung out? I don't know. Um, we just, you know, like in all our, our, our perambulations, we never, we never landed in the same city at the same time. I mean, there's one time in Miami, was it? Miami? No. Uh, I w- I've been into Miami, yes. There was some time in Miami. I oh, that's right. We were, we were there at the 21 convention, but we just didn't see each other because we were doing no. something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Life as it is, yeah. Life, well, extraordinary lives. We, we really need someone like Vince Kelvin uh, to, to create the perfect thing where <laughs> those paths can cross. Facilitator. Um, exactly, he is. So the reason I, I mean, for, for you guys out there, some of you will be Zan's audience, some mine, some will be some random guy who's just bored and goes, uh, who are these dudes? Both Zan and I have been in the seduction dating coaching industry plus if you want to add on the life coaching spirituality and many other associated fields of coaching for a long time and can i tell you what my first memory of knowing that you existed was yeah i'd like to know okay cool interesting uh i think it was around 2006 7 maybe 8 because my memories are all a bit hazy but it was the it was the early days of of seduction on the internet and okay i was doing my thing because what i've discovered is that there was these pods of different guys around the world who were independently coming up with natural game. And by that, I mean just, you know, going and meeting women without any weird shit. <laughs> and so I was doing my thing in the, in the early days in Melbourne, you know, posting on little forums and, and back then any material that was coming through was being downloaded on some kind of torrent site. And so at some point I got my hands on Cliff's List, some like conference oh, wow. that, was, that was held way back in the day with some of the early movers and a bunch of dudes who who then vanished. I think yeah, um, wow. Mystery and Tyler and Ross were there and you were there. I was there, yeah. Although For two years, 2005, 2006. Right, okay. Things, yeah. Right, so maybe I saw it yeah. 2007 or something. And I remember that you were wearing like a button-down, not very cool shirt. You had like a, a bit of a 90s bob and you were the only <laughs> dude I remember speaking and going, oh, that guy's not weird, are you? Like, <laughs> wow, that's nice. They, hey, they got it. They got a, a, a guy up there who wasn't fucking doing some really <laughs> weird stuff. And I, I don't remember exactly what you were talking about, but I remember the gist of the themes of being to do with more, with, with being an attractive person that women wanted to, to be around as opposed wow. to necessarily learning a whole bunch of things to try and get them to like you. So that's, that's my very first uh, memory of you. And then I was aware of you throughout the, the years. I remember at some point when we were doing our, redoing our website for the second or third or fourth time, I remember looking at yours and, sh- and like, you know, printing it out and showing the guy and going, sort of like that. <laughs> oh, Just, wow. <laughs> you know, like he's got the, he's got like the girl, but she's not a stripper. And you know, there's a bit, there's some smoke and stuff, that kind of thing. 
So you were. Oh, that's so cool. That was uh, one of the one of your earlier designs was a uh, was used by me. Man, long memories there. You know, like mm -hmm. it's been quite a quite a quite a journey. Incredible. Mm -hmm. I had so, short hair back then, wearing a little suit. Can you tell me in the audience a bit about like like to be honest, I've known of you throughout the years, and anytime yeah. anyone mentions you, they're like. Oh, Zan's fucking awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I've heard good things about him. Should hang out with him sometime. And that's kind of how it's been over the years. Um, but can you talk a little bit about your background? Obviously, you're not Romanian. Yeah. You live in Romania now. You yeah. Know, you've been doing this a long time. What's the story in a nutshell? Well, I, I'll make it really short. I'm Canadian and I grew up in, in, in the north, in northern British Columbia in Canada. Uh, basically in the wilderness, mostly without mm -hmm. uh, electricity, running water, this type of thing. And I moved away from home when I was 13. Basically, I, my last formal education is 13 years old. Right. And uh, and I moved out into the further into the wilderness, and I helped a man, uh, you know, a, a, a mountain man with his trap line. And I basically was I was this wilderness teenager kid, you know, like, and I had moccasins on my feet and. And uh, I learned how to survive in the wilderness and catching, you know, hunting and fishing and and trapping and this kind of stuff, you know. And and, um, and when I was 18 sorry, years what, old, 19, sorry, what what was a slap? Uh, what kind of line was it? A slap line? Or you said the, what? You went you went into the wilderness. A trap line, trap line, oh, trap line. An old trap line. I'm like, what is that? Yeah, yeah. That sounds way too wilderness, boss. For yeah, me it's very wilderness. And th and this guy made his living. He was a mountain man for years out in. in, in it, it's cliche, but it was it was two hours away from civilization, mm -hmm. on a gravel road all the way out there. And he lived in a valley called the Wolverine Valley, which is <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you made it up from a movie, awesome. but it was pristine and untouched. And I moved out there and I lived in a, in a log cabin with, you know, sod on the roof and grass growing on the roof. And I helped this guy for, you know, uh, a period of time. And, but then, so I didn't, that was my schooling, really. I didn't, I didn't have social grace in that. I didn't go to high school. I didn't go to, you know, you know, mm -hmm. to a certain level and I didn't go to college or university. So I didn't learn those types of, you know, like who's the jocks, who's the cool kids, who's the nerds, you know, I, I didn't have that kind of social energy. I haven't been socialized into the class system or into no. any of that. And when I was 18, 19 years old, I came out of that because I realized, man, there's no girls out here. <laughs> so I came oh, into yeah. the cities of the world and I was completely, when I was 19, 20 years old, and, 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 and I'm not exaggerating at all, I was the most clueless, uh, needy, insecure, weepy, poetic, available, nice guy yeah. that you could possibly imagine. I had, you know, I had no education in it, right? And I spent my 20s in confusion and frustration and trying to understand it. But I loved girls. I loved, I loved women more than anything I could ever possibly imagine. You know, I just, I, I adored women. And I, and, I would, and I was so needy throughout my 20s. This is my short story. Uh, because I never had this social energy or, or graces, right? And then in my 30s, because I never quit and I kept trying and I kept tr going on dates if I could. And, and in all the massive rejection and all the massive frustration I ever got, I never gave up. And in my 30s, I started to get some light bulb moments. Go, wait a minute, hmm, really? And I would go to the bar by myself for years, by myself, trying trying to look cool, with it with this, you know, trying to trying to be like uh, aloof and cool, lean against the bar and act like I have no, <laughs> you know, have many options and I am not needy at all. And, I got until the lights come on. Be. Yeah. 
And, and so my, in my thirties, I started to get, wait a minute, I heard, you know, this girl just said this to me and I heard that a hundred times before. And, and I learned over the course of time that it meant something different. So I started to piece together this thing. And remember, this is pre-internet R- roughly, not really, but you know, yeah, like before pre- this, back when you, yeah. all you would do is send an email occasionally and, yeah. you know, you had to get a phone or, number. Right. You had to get a phone number because there's no other way of, of contacting it. Right. So. Uh, so my 30s, I started to, the synapses started firing, and then my 40s, I I thought you know after after that decade, I really had a sense of understanding, and I and I quit my corporate job, which I you know that's another story, and I hit the road and I traveled for 10 years, and wrote wrote the book The Alabaster Girl on on my experiences of my youthful neediness. Mm-hmm. So there's so there's, there's nothing a man who's listening to this is going through that I didn't go through. I understand it deeply. I know I know the heartfelt gut shot feel of when you feel like you, you did your best and you're still alone and you're lonely and I get it 100%. So that's a that's yeah. a, I think in some ways that's like an integral wound that that a man kind of has to have. Someone like Iron John talks about that from re- receiving your, your original wound from your father, which which sets a man off on his path to, you know, to essentially heal and go through his warrior's journey and eventually reconcile with his internal father and then transcend him. But I think that that also exists in terms of women. It's like all of us have got one or two or a series of, of women that we didn't get, you know, that we, was a disaster or, and really heartbreaking uh, and, you know, really difficult to go through at the time, but without that would not have set you on, on the path. Now, I've got a question about that because many, many men have had their wound, but they have then interpreted that in ways that led them to resenting women or to wanting to conquer them or to retreating, right. f- retreating from them altogether, you know, or, or creating a buffering ideology that kind of explains away why things are and means that they don't have to have responsibility for it and so on. So I'm wondering, why you didn't do that and how it was that you recognized that the issue was you in some ways, right? It was like there was things you had to change and, and parts of your pride or ego you had to drop. What was that process like? Was it easy for you? Was it really difficult? And where did that fit into your yeah. journey? That's a great question. You know, like um, I was so lost and alone. And I mean, I've got some horror stories I could tell guys for, for weeks <laughs> about those days, you know? Tell one, and, tell one and, quick, tell one quick knee so, Okay, it? I will. Sob, if you knee, so, knee jerking sob, sorry. <laughs> if, if you saw the movie Hitch, where Will Smith is this guy and, you know, he's this dating coach sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then he flashes back to his college days or his university days and he's this dorky guy and he's dating this girl and, and, and she gets into a car and with oh, this cool guy so. and he's crying with his braces like this and he's crying, uh, I'll be there for you. I understand you have to go and see but I'll be there for you. I watched that movie theater and I was like this. Okay. I could, be, because I did the exact same thing. It's like the girl that I was dating, and that's embarrassing to say it, but it's true. She's getting on the back of a motorcycle of this cool guy. And I'm there weeping. I'm, okay, here you go. <laughs> I'm in like 20 years old or something like that. And I'm weeping and saying, I understand, but I'm. you'll recognize, go with this guy, but you'll recognize you'll come back because I'm the good guy. And, oh, no. and I will always be there for you and I will never let you down. And I'm weeping. And, and the guy on the motorcycle is going, who's this loser? He's just like, I don't know, just go, 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 Is that go, your go. little brother or something? Okay. Oh, my goodness. By the way, I'm going to fuck you in a minute. She's like, I know. Cool. It, it was so brutal, man. And that oh, was my, wow. my whole thing. So I got, yeah, there you go. There's one 
sob story out. Right. Okay, so how, did, how is it that that didn't turn you into a bitter woman-hating or jock-hating uh, dude? That's you know, a how good was it you processed that? You know, I got asked a question a couple of years ago, which kind of set me back on my heels because I'd never been asked it before. And, and the question was this. I don't know why I was never asked it, but the question was this. In all those years of massive pain and insecurity and loss and loneliness, pure loneliness, like, you know, did you ever think of giving up? And I'm like, wow, wow, what a question. And I never once ever, ever thought of giving up. I said, no, if other men have got this figured out, I have to figure it out too. I'm going to, so I became the student, you know, the student of life and student of observation. Like one of my highest skill sets is I really know the way a room is about to flow. Could be a, a, could be a club, it could be a party, it could be a lounge, it could be whatever. I know who likes who, I know who's going about to position himself over there, who's going to go and talk to that girl. The girls are going to migrate this way, so you position yourself like, like a chess game. I can see it all. It's because I stood in observation of these social scenes for years mm-hmm. and just watched and watched and watched and watched. Went home alone, but I watched and said, you know, this guy's straightening his ties and go talk to that girl. Went, but what is the energy? What is, the, what is transpiring here? I want to know. Right. You, know? you have your seduction spidey sense on. And the thing is, in order, to, in order for that to work, you actually have to drop your own ego because <clears throat> as an observer, you become scientific about it in the sense that you see that it's cause and effect. And is it the words that caused or, or is it the demeanor? Is it the posture? Is it, oh, okay, yeah. you start seeing that one thing leads to another. And then it can't be about you anymore. It can't be about like, oh, it's my, you know, my feelings. She should have. Why do they always get to? And it becomes less of a personal thing. That's why as like you, I never, there was never a choice of whether or not I was going to do this. I, I felt like, yeah, it wasn't like a destiny so much, but it was just like, it was like, I, I must do this. There is no alternative because I know the alternative is regret. And that's the only thing I can't live with. I can, I can live with a lot of mistakes, but I can't live with proper chunks of regret. I can regret certain actions, but like looking back on a period of my life and going, oh, that five years I w- was a waste. I can't deal with that. So then, and, and I don't know about you, man, but like, and I'm sure someone's going to do it. I'm so fucking sick and tired of answering the question, how do I get over the fear? Like, how do I get over the fear of going to talk to a girl? Right? Because I've answered that question in every way possible, from every angle, from the psychological to the physical, to the fucking deep childhood traumas. No, what, you know, just bear, every single angle covered. But it does come down to that. Some, there is just some men who, who the answer is obviously like, well, I will, I will talk to her, whether or not I do it today or now, or, or I do it correctly, yeah. I must. And that's the answer of like, how do I get over my approach anxiety? It's that, you know, you must. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? You know, you know, the thing, you're hundred percent, like you have to, like you have to take action. You know, Woody Allen said that 80% of success is just showing up. And what we're not doing is showing up. We're standing there in awkward silence, but you showed up, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, like, like people said, well, you had this traumatic childhood, you know, you grew up poor in the forest and no education and, you know, women are rejecting you in your, in your 20s. And, 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 you know, but I, I, but my saving grace, I think, was literature. Like I would read stories, like I read Casanova's memoirs when I was young with him. Wow, this guy just, you know, like he took off into the wind, you know, with no safety net. Like people say, oh, yeah, like I, I stretched myself and I and I backpacked across Europe. Well, what you really did is you went from ATM to ATM, you know? It's a and stop. Mother, you, you can call mother and mother's gonna make sure you're safe. But you know, like, and, and, and nowadays, like, you know, 300 years ago, men like us who grew up with this, this childhood of like longing, 
would go to sea in a wooden ship. And there was no medical insurance. They didn't have a savings account. They went out into, into, into the, the unknown and said, I have to go and see what I'm made of. And we've lost that today because we have safety nets and comfort all around us. So we even have this. Now, even now when, the, when a plague is blitzing yeah. through the planet, everyone's like, oh, I better hunker down in my very comfortable room. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so we have this abundance and, and, and yet we, we, we're poor me, we look, we're, we look inward, you know, like nobody in history, like people say, well, I, yeah, I'm this way because my childhood was, my father was this and my mother, blah, blah, blah. And, and so I have, and so I have to resolve my childhood, which is this entire, you know, volume of what we're trying to construct today. And nobody in history had a nice childhood. Nobody. They had famine and mother, you know, was died and sister was was dragged away and, you know, nobody had a, had a happy childhood. And yet we're the first generation that has to resolve it and, and deal with it, you know? That's very interesting. Others. And, and when you think about it, at other times and places, you never got to have your 30s and 40s to think about it. If you made it to your 30s, you were doing amazingly well. Yeah. It's like, it's, isn't that interesting? Like you had your childhood, you yeah. were, you were, your father was probably going to die by the time you were 15, 20, 20, you know, your, you your had father to get would be on dead. With it. Right. So father yeah. dies. OK, you didn't have time to then sit down and on his deathbed and reconcile things 30 years later. I think yeah, that is a really interesting thing. And I've talked to soldiers before because we've had a probably statistically higher level of like U.S. Marines than we should in our work. I don't know. Engineers. By yeah, far that's the most. True, yeah. But then we've been in quite a lot of soldiers and I've talked to them. You know, I don't want to. Uh, try to do it in a tasteful way, but talk to them about that process of going to, going to war and also about very what I find interesting is integrating back into societies. And I remember one guy who was very fucked up from from his time in Afghanistan, but like I met him in, in the Peruvian Amazon actually when we were going out to do ayahuasca, and he he he'd come he'd come down from America searching for something, bumped into our crew and we took him into the jungle. So it was kind of a, it was a surreal apocalypse now. Uh, acid trip but he was saying like the thing that that traumatized him much more than warfare was coming back to in his case america and having no way of being reintegrated into society no way of mourning no way of mourning no way of processing what he'd done of what he'd seen and then of being you know brought back into now it's now it's his peacetime duties as opposed to his wartime duties and i think that's it's really interesting when we look at obviously in the post-globalized world. We don't have in discrete tribal units with clear initiation processes from father to son that, you know, have gone from time and memoriam. But even like our grandfather's generation, even though there was more globalization than there was in a traditional society, they didn't have what we have, which is this soup of potentiality, which has, which I think has some amazing, amazing potential benefits. The, the primary one being you get choice. And then also like, Previously, you didn't get any choice. If you're born in this tribe, you be, you, you're part of that tribe. And that, I'm sure that gave you an amazing sense of purpose because there was no question. It's like, I am part of the Sun tribe or I'm part of the whatever tribe. I believe what I'm, I believe this. We have a long lineage. It makes sense. I don't have to question my, you know, my reason for being all the time. I go through my processes from boy to man to warrior to king, etc. And now we have this like, you could draw from or ignore all or any of those at any one time. Any and, cultures, any influences, yeah. So what's your thought on that, thoughts on that in terms of, I guess, modern masculinity as a, and particularly for younger guys, I think coming up, guys who are in their teens, 20s, late 20s, still figuring themselves out. What are your thoughts on that in an era when you don't, you can choose whatever it is to, to you have to, you do actually have to figure it out? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, I'm a product of, of Canada, which is very much the Western culture, you know, and it's, um, it's very conservative, British, uh, you know, based in history sort of thing. Right. And so, British so the idea, yeah, right. It's like the idea is to be uh, reserved and to, and to not celebrate the spirit of your sexual nature. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a complete failing. And, and you know, if, and I think you can agree with this, if there's one thing that guys can learn to understand, it's that their sexual nature, that they love the, the feeling of the attraction they have to the opposite sex, to women, is a divine thing. Mm-hmm. And in this modern age, it's toxic shame. Mm-hmm. You're a man, well, you know, like you're one, you're, you're one step away from being a rapist. And uh, if you walk by a playground too, too slow, you're, you know, you're, you, what are you, a pedophile? And that's a sin. That's a sin that society has, has perpetrated on men. And we're crusaders against it. And mm-hmm. our sexual nature is, 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 to me, it's divine. It's the way we are. We love that energy. We love it. And we're, and, but we're taught that it's wrong, that it's, it's, it's shameful. And so we learn to hide it from a Canadian kid, you know. Mm-hmm. You learn to hide it. Your eyes front. You, 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 you just mask it. You mask your, your, your delirious love of life and wanting to bend the world over. And that's wrong. Right. Yeah. It's, and, and I guess Not that's... Not politically correct. No, you know, no, that's not politically correct, and but it is what it, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, well, come and get us. We're we're over in the east. It's you can't get us now anyway. I guess like the repression of sexuality, whether it's been the male or the female or both, has been like a characteristic of many different authoritarian societies throughout history and through you know today. In order to because because it is such a dangerous force because it's creative because it's related to freedom because it's emotional because you can't stop it you know even even if you do repress it with the most horrendous fear like let's say with very hardcore religious conditioning that makes you literally think that you will burn for eternity because of your sexuality if you indulge it still doesn't stop it (laughs) it's like the soft and the hard machines have tried throughout the ages to compress you know, 100%, human, human yeah. sexuality. And now I guess we're seeing in, let's say in the modern Western age, we're seeing a different variation on that. It's not, it's not the Victorian Puritan, you know, uh, stop it or, or you will, thou shalt go blind. Uh, it's not, it's not so much a moralizing about religious things, but there are, there's different types of moralizing or different types. Now it's looking at the, that the male essence is dangerous. And yeah, it's a wrong thing, man. Society's saying it. I mean, it's and, and and if anything's human dangerous, then yeah, it is in the sense that the the human potential contains dangerous things. Of course, you know, we we men men and women yeah. contain the potential for violence and genocide and all sorts of da- dangerous things. But the the this in the the creative force that it all comes out of can't you can't separate those and and neuter the sexual energy in order to try and uh, you know spay the man. I guess. Yeah, and you know, it's like you get this too. I'm certain. Men ask me all the time, how do I, how do I start to express my, to, to open up and embrace and express my sexual nature? Like, how do I open that? And I'm thinking, you know, you watch porn all day long. You can't tell me you're not sexual, mm-hmm. you're not a sexual being, mm-hmm. but you, but it's, but it's because you're so ashamed. We hide and hide and hide. And, and the idea is that, you know, like you, you touched on it. Men are afraid of their darkness, you know, of their, of mm-hmm. their danger. And this is, you know, their, 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 like I said, the desire to bend the world over, their desire to create, to, to go out mm-hmm. and enforce and to go out and, you know, and, and the problem is this, 
male aggressive or male aggression or how do I not aggression passion, word, but male's passion yeah it's beautiful when it's outward cast to protect home community family you know because you're protecting the loved ones and that's you know the in the in the cave for instance right mm-hmm. and so that 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 passion goes out uh, thus far shalt thou go and no further where it it turns toxic is when that turns that 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 darkness and that fierceness turns towards the loved ones you know or internally to, back know. on themselves yeah so so there's a there's a, a there's assaulting women for instance hmm. or there's a, you know pedophilia for instance that's that that then it becomes toxic as it's aggression going inward but going outward it's a beautiful energy and and it's hmm. because we're protecting our loved you know our loved one yep. and this is what's mixed up it's like it's all been cast into the same thing and i'm not a sociologist obviously and i'm you know, and and someone. Well, I would say me, we, we we are we are actually we're, we're street level sociologists who study society by <laughs> maneuvering within it and reporting back on it in real time. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe not. That's true. I, I, and I went and did six months at university in sociology. So you know, oh, I can add that. Yeah. Studied so studied sociology at a university once. Uh, like you, I I. I did actually. I did actually go to college, but only for a year and a half. So college, college <laughs> yeah. I know. I know oh, very few college educated. Oh no, very few college educated. Very few college educated <laughs> millionaires. Education. <laughs> Education. That's we don't need that. We come from. But you know what? It's it, it, it's a fantastic thing that you know that you're trying to create in this in this world, James. What, and it's, what's uh, what's that I'm trying to create? Well, we, the the the, the the impetus that you're trying to give back to men, hmm. you you know what it's I, I think it's I think it's God's work. You know, it's like trying to say a, a good message, trying to men, get men to stand on their feet again in this broken world. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it's a it, it's a necessary. And there's very few messages for men. That's the truth. Yeah, that's there's very. I few. guess uh, what what I always try to do is I I try to as much as possible uh, not not have an overarching ideology. Like that's and and I know I fail. Like we all do because we all, we all can't help but fit into belief structures. But I try to stay apolitical, and and I don't even mean that in a partisan way or, or whatever. Like because I do have a partisan, I do have partisan biases for sure. But um, in terms of like, and I, I don't want to talk too much about red pill stuff, or whatever. But just in terms of like, I, I've certainly taken the red pill in the sense that you know I don't I don't just see things the way I wish they were. Uh, I'm not I'm not living in a fantasy fairy tale. But I'm also not looking to apportion blame on groups or on or on over, on major structures if I see that that effort is wasted. In and in my in my opinion, a lot of, a lot of it is wasted when when you're railing against something instead of going well. If I understand a truth, which is as you discovered way back in the day, as she rolled the steamy window up on you <laughs> on the what, what, on your, what was it Toyota '85 or whatever, you know the truth that comes out there is one that can easily lead to us an ideology of blame or an ideology of, of victimhood for Victim. the man. For the yeah. man. Uh, or it can be one of going, hang on, I don't actually understand the way men and women operate, obviously. Like, she likes him more than me. And that doesn't mean I am worthless. And that's, and that's something I want to ask you about in a moment, the sense of worthiness, because that's, that's something that has come up in every client I've ever had, I would say. Except for the ones where it should come up, but they don't notice it. Like that sense of like being able to look at that dispassionately and be like, 
doesn't mean I'm, my genes are worse or that, you know, I'm less alpha as a human and, you know, all that. It's like she likes that man better than me because he's operating in a way that's making her attracted to him. Because he's exemplifying certain characteristics which I've repressed or I haven't developed or I don't know about yet and so on. So what are your thoughts on, like, looking at seduction as, as a catalyst or, uh, for, or a crucible for actual personal metam metamorphosis? Right, because I think most guys come into it looking at it as a as a toolkit. Right, they they were they like I don't know how to do what to say, how to look. I learn those, and then it should be okay. And I think we're long many years past the old like which one's better is direct indirect or whatever. That's like kind of just academic stuff, really. It doesn't really matter. I think the 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 real importance is when a, a man realizes that it's not just a toolkit for a function. It's not just utilitarian. It is actually transformational. You know, it's like, it, it, it's interesting because uh, you hit something on the beginning of the, your comment here, your, your thought, um, you talked about this idea that we're not, we're not talking about the social energy of that's dominating and encircling the earth right now because there's enough voices. You know, I was on a radio show in Montreal. I was on a women's, this woman is a sexologist and she has, you know, and I was a guest on her show in, years ago. And she said, you know, Zan, okay, it was nice having an interview with you. And I want to ask you this question that I ask all my guests at the end of the interview. What do you think about pornography today and what it's done to our sense of intimacy? And, and I'm just like, uh, 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 hmm, I have never thought about that before. Even though I know in a peripheral view that pornography, uh -huh. feminism, uh, men going their own way, red pill, you know, all these types of things are impactful in a society. Right. I get right. that. Right. And, and it's and it's a, it's a it's a very, but there's enough voices out there with opinions on it. And so so the whole idea with Arza Murata and what I'm doing is that we take an end run around it. You run around all that. You know, I, I you'll never see in any of my YouTube videos ever me talking about feminism, pornography. There's enough voices. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not I'm not going to go into that. What I want to know is what is what is the measure of a man? What makes him what, what is the adventure in our heart and what is mm -hmm. the. You know, what makes, what makes women have devotion to us, which is an incredible thought, you know, like just adore us. You know, what's that? What's the sense of abundance and how can we foster that? So, right. yeah, because um, you can, e you can easily walk in the door of, of an intellectual area and go, oh, okay, hang on. No, the way I thought was wrong. This, this way makes sense. And yeah. then you can let that take you off and become just an, a pundit and, of and it, it absorbs, you know, which and then, then you, you don't become another voice. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Women don't so want to be around men who rant and rave about strange theories. No. They don't care. Exactly. And, and you don't embrace when you run into that energy yourself. It's like, well, you know, I'm not, because you're thinking on a different plane. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's like um, my idea is like, I'm a bit of a computer nerd. So you've got the networking layer, you know, like you've got uh, you've the OSI model of, already lost me. okay, <laughs> you, you go all the way from the hardware layer all the way up to the user interface. And a lot of users will understand this, right? And you've got the communication layer and all this kind of stuff. And one layer talks to the layer above and one layer below. And that's why we have iPhones, computers, everything, you know, because of that OSI uh, uh, network layer. And I think that we are concentrating on on the on on a layer, the su a superficial layer, which is the social layer, and there's something that is. Where's our mystique? Where's our where's our desire? You know, where's our where's our our desire to build, to create, to fight, to mm -hmm. where is that? And that's what's missing in the heart of men. And and it's um and so and so like you said, we're trying to memorize lines. 
mm-hmm. or what's the best thing to say here when it's the it's the spirit and, you know, and the also spirit. trying to trying to like mimic the what like a, mimic, posi- yeah. a position a role like okay so i talk like this i say like this i wear this suit and i am a bank guy or i am a something guy and okay does that work i'm doing the stuff it's funny because we're in a way what we're looking at is in between those layers of the there's the like the, the person who wants to get too embroiled in the meta understanding of it as a sociological co- construct, then you have the person under that, of like on another level, who doesn't question the sociological construct to the point where it just runs them, where they are puppeteered to a greater or lesser degree. And so they're not free because they're letting a whole bunch of very, very thin strings, strings run them, of which 80% could be cut. Uh, and then you have, let's say, mavericks like us who are writing things in the middle who are like, Cool. I see. I see the the conceptual stuff. I'll take what's useful. The rest of it, yeah. That's we'll save that for a, a, a dinner. Like just a couple of weird dudes talking about that over whiskey. I'll do that once a month. But I would rather be out there having fun, adventures, getting laid, and figuring out where the best place to have a tax haven. My tax right. system yeah. is. You know, and, and you know, guys look at my stuff for for all these years, like, like almost twenty years, and they say, "Well, gee, I." I I want that eventually, but right now I just I just want to get laid this weekend. Like I, I'm lonely. Mm. That's a fundamental thing, and that's an honest, sincere expression, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but it's it's a very practical thing too, you know, to have this 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 different eyes on the world. So you say, listen, like you you just told me before the call here, you started this uh, this project in in Coimbra, and to me, I think that's that's magnificent. That is that's that's. You know, the phrase I've, I've said to, to people is this, what exists because of you? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. And I think that's- Imagine that, that, right? I think this is a really, for anyone listening to this right now, because the interesting time in, that we have is that the whole world is on pause, maybe for the only time it ever, ever will be. And so for everyone, you have your life has just, you've, you've actually lived your first part of your life, it's done. And now you're on pause and you're, we're all about to reset one way or another and we're about to go out and live our next life. So you could ask that question, what did you build? And look, if you're a 19 year old guy and you're just like at college and you're like, but I didn't build my Taj Mahal yet. It's like, cool. It's, it's not about like a dick comparing contest, but it is like, well, if that's all you had, are you happy with that? Did you build good friendships, relationships? Okay, so some kind of financial freedom. Did you, did you build something creatively? You know, did you make people's lives better? Uh, you know, or were you a doormat for somebody else's? Were you living somebody else's life? Your parents, your girl, your girlfriends, or whatever else? Because that also doesn't count. You didn't live your life either. And I think these are really because without this kind of pause, which we've never had, most people never stop to think about that really ever. You know, they just, once they've funneled into a groove and you and I as, as great travelers and people who obviously decided that we weren't going to stay in, you know, in Canberra, Australia or in the north of Canada, uh, have realized that there's a lot more out there. Can we talk about that? Because that's journeys and adventures, because that's some of my favorite stuff. And just, just before I ask you, like, I bet there's, I think there must be a lot of people right now regretting, sitting there and regretting not leaving their house when they had the chance. You know, it's like people going... Fuck, I wanted to take that two months to go and backpack around wherever or to go learn from that teacher or to, you know, go and see what the girls are like over in Colombia or 
one of the any things you could have done that you didn't have to sit on a boat for six weeks or risk getting a spear through your fucking thigh uh, to do. <laughs> you just had to jump on, a ch- jump on a cheap flight over to wherever and, and go and check it out. I, I'm hoping that everyone is sitting at home going, fuck, I wish I'd done more of that because you probably can again and you should. So what are your thoughts on being a, 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 a grand journeying, adventuring, um, bohemian yeah, I tell you, man, <laughs> you cannot, if you're a seeker of any kind and, and, and men who are listening to this are listening because they're seekers, they want to understand something about them, their, their life and their adventure and their heart, right? And so you're a seeker. You cannot continue in this journey of trying to understand, and you know this because you do this for a long time, without going, wait a minute, there's something beyond, there's something greater and something more transcendent than what, you know, than, than what we're trying to understand here. And the idea is to create a, you know, to create a life of art, an artful life, a life of abundance. So when you're old, you're laying on your deathbed, you can say, you know what, at least I tried that. Maybe I didn't figure it out, but I sure tried. I, I gave my best effort and I can, and I can smile to the, to the sky and say, at least I tried that, you know? Yep. It's a living legacy, your legacy that you're trying to create. And that's what you're talking about. It's a lineage. There's nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything has been said before, mm-hmm. but every couple of generations you have to repeat it because we've got it. Mm. So and then you it's mix, like and you've got to mix it up and remix it and add, add, you a, have funky, to mix it up. add a funky beat to it. And, you know, there's nothing been said. There's nothing that is different. What you and I are saying that was not said 2000 years ago, but by Plotinus, you know, and in 200, uh, you, you know, and you look at like Arza Murata is is a, is a Latin phrase, but it's a fake Latin phrase. Because 2,000 years ago, the Roman poet Ovid wrote a book called the Ars Amatoria. And, and that book was like, and, and you know what it was? It was how to pick up girls in, yes. in ancient Rome 2,000 years ago and how to be this guy and how not to mess it up. And he wrote this book 2,000 years ago, Ars Amatoria. And years ago, a, a reporter uh, misquoted me and, and, and she said, Zan read, reads Casanova and Ars Amarata. So I stole Ars Amarata and trademarked it. And it's my, you know, it's, it didn't mean anything, but it means so... Nothing we are saying is new and nothing is it's, but it's been said before, but we've forgotten it. And, and so this is ancient things, man. And so you, you said you, you're talking about legacy and the lineage from father to son, father to son, and that, and that ancestral force that we are, you know, like, like our, you exist and all the men listening to this exist because their father banged a girl and somehow be, and made managed a son. to somehow manage to and made a son and made a son made a son made a son and there's a lot of lineages that died out they didn't create a son right all the way back to the beginning of time mm-hmm. you're you're you you know so we've got the blood of champions in us you know we've got this and yet we're so afraid to go talk to the girl drinking coffee over there like because uh, uh what if she's you know massive. i think that it's incredible. that's why i've decided i will not answer that question again the next guy that asks yeah. me oh look out he's not going to be expecting the reply I think another way to look at You know at, why? Uh, you know why? Sorry to interrupt you, but you know why? Because because we think that's the question. And so we, mm-hmm. we you know, there's an entire industry built up around that question, mm-hmm. like, you know, right? How to coach a guy into that. Yep. But you're creating something on this earth that you're trying to do in, in Portugal there that, that has heart and meaning to you. And you want to impart that to men now, that kind of mm-hmm. understanding, that kind of conversation. You can't sit in small talk anymore. You can only sit in conversation on that level of what we're trying to do. And well, I could keep talking, I'll shut up. Well, it's, it's like, it's, it's funny though, isn't it? Because I had to, like all of us, we had to go through all those nights of like fussing around, looking on forums, 
stressing about the best line to text a girl. Like I used to, I've got memories of sitting down with five of the best pickup artists working on a single text message to a, to some club chick. You know, we're, you know that kind of thing. Where I where I where we had that much energy, that much creativity. We were so in. I was so so motivated to figure out what was the best text. You know, these days it's like well. It gets, lo- it gets much, much easier as you get older. Have you heard the, that old saying about the young bull and the old bull? Maybe you'll like this one. So you've got a young bull and an old bull standing up uh, on a paddock and they're looking down uh, over a nice field and down in the field is a whole bunch of sexy ass cows, right? <laughs> like fucking mint, bang it, banging, eight plus. I can picture it. <laughs> yeah, you know, these are solid eights, right? And, uh, and, and, <laughs> and the, young bull, the young bull says to the old bull, whoa, check out all those cows. We could like run down there and fuck one. And then the old bull says, yeah, we could just walk down there and fuck them all. And it's, um... <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Something kicks into your system at a certain point, you know, Incredible. let's talk about that being an old bull. So I don't know how old you are. You look younger than me, but I think you're a bit older. I'm now, in my fifties. Wow. Jesus Christ. We'll talk about yeah, your, nutri- your, your nutrition soon. So as far, I don't, I don't know your personal world life, except that whenever I've seen you, you've had a very lovely lady next to you, and I, and it looks like the same one for quite some time, uh, ex- exquisite. And I can, and one of those women who you can just look at and go, she's smart, like just looking at it and go, intelligent lady. So both of us have, I don't know your case exactly, so I won't speak for you, but I would say we've lived unorthodox love lives in terms of in terms of the way that we've structured our relationship types. You know, my father had me when he was 23 years old. He had five kids, four kids by the time he was 30-ish. My grandfather, who was even earlier, this is right. This is kind of the first generation. I guess we're Generation X, right? We're not boomers. One fucking we're Generation X, X millennials wise, and in these last few generations, have the choice for the first time in history not to basically marry the first chick you bang, right? Like. Give or, give or take that one when you're off at war or when you snuck one in behind the shed before you, know, before you got married. <laughs> like, oh, can I just tell you one really funny story? Which yeah, is, that's great. I'll just tell you this funny story. So my grandmother, uh, she passed away a year or two ago, but she, in her last few years, she was losing her mind. She, was, she had dementia, but she became quite funny in, in the end. And so she was 85 or something, and, and we, ha- we had this Christmas dinner. And she was brought in from the nursing home and she sort of, you know, she sort of still vaguely knew who people were and knew that she was annoyed at this or whatever. And we're sitting around having the dinner and someone said something about sex. Like my family doesn't talk about sex at all, but it was maybe some little hint, right? They're, they're quite prudish in, not in a, not in, not in a religious way, but prudish. And my, my grandmother pipes up and says, I've only had two lovers. One was your father and one was a friend at school. And we just went, whoa granny just like suddenly there it was i was like whoa and so i'm like okay that's how it was back then you know she banged one dude and then she got married at 19. so now that we we don't have the social pressures the the health pressures you don't have to have children to fucking till your fields so that's something that i don't think most men realize yet that there has been a massive change generationally in terms of what you can do as a man because it's still sold to you as either or be a, be a, you know, a wanton playboy who doesn't settle down and you'll end up a lonely old man or settle down and have kids and then do what you're told and that's a bit boring, but just do it. Little realizing that you could do both or both several times over or, or any kind of variation yeah. on those. Any variation. 
Right. Yeah. So what is, what is, what's your personal, let's say, I don't, you know, you don't have to tell me your personal situation exactly, but well, I, where I will, do you stand on all that? Oh, good. Yeah. You know, like, you know, the, the worst quality a man or a woman can have, in my opinion, is to be judgmental, mm-hmm. to say, I don't like that guy because uh, blah, 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 or I don't, I don't like, like that girl. Hat. Yeah. It's like to judgmental is the opposite of, of generosity you know, generosity of spirit not generosity because you can pay for the table you know and, and it's also the opposite of, of, of uh curiosity because you've already if you're judgmental 100%. you're like i already know i already know what they're like yeah and i don't like eggs good point that i never heard that or never thought of it that but that's mm. absolutely correct so the idea is that to be judgmental and say i don't like that person you know it's like in this in this modern age you know it's like it's like you you have options now. We have options now. Like you said, you know, we we can we can have mo- open relationships, multiple relationships. We can juggle girls, this kind of stuff. For me, it's like, you know, if if I like if I have someone in my life that I really adore and I really like her, and I want to see her today, and and I'm and I'm excited to see her again tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, then it's. I mean, I've been with my girl for eight years, and and but it doesn't change who I am. Like the, you know, like. Like, let me try and say this in, the, in a certain way. Um, you know that feeling if, you know, James comes to town and he said, hey, Zan, I'm in town. You want to go play pool? And I'm like, oh, yeah, my buddy's in town. I'm going to go play pool with him. But I got to check with the missus. You know, I got to like, uh, you know, listen, oh. um, you, you know. Uh, my, I've my heard it on the phone James, where the friend says, you know what oh, I mean, I'll right? just check with Susan. You're like, check with Susan. What uh, the fuck? Don't check exactly. with her. So let me just check. And then, and then she says, well, what am I going to do? You're going to go out and have fun with your, your buddy who's in town. What am I going to do? So, so, so that energy of you are her entertainment. Uh-huh. You are, you understand what I mean? Oh, I so, you, so, <laughs> so the beautiful thing of a relationship and the relationships that sing, that, that have this musical, and that last, in, as long as they last, you know, maybe they end someday, but they, 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 but they have a beauty throughout the whole thing is that he's his own entity and his own force of nature and she is her own entity and force of nature and the relationship is the third thing you know it right. it, it, it it's hovers a here of those two exactly and the relationship is its own thing so they have their own trajectory and you're trying to fight for something in your heart and your soul for your purpose in life right as a man and she is too separately from you as opposed to uh you're her whole identity like how many times have you have you met women uh who said Wow, I love what you do. I'd like to do this too with you. I'd like to. You know I, what I, mean? I, I made a rule a number of years ago, realizing that I don't involve my primary partner in my primary mission. You can't, because you know they want to follow on your on, on your shirt tails and like and like and, and to have somebody in in your life who has her own trajectory, who's fighting for her own battles, and you can look at her with 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 eyes and say, you know what, you're just incredible because I. I don't understand what you're doing, but I, I admire and adore what you're trying to create. That creates this 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 beautiful. It's like a, uh, I, I think musically, it's almost like a chord, right? So it's like you have each the the male and the woman yeah. or, or the whoever, uh, and then you have the third entity of the relationship. When those things sing together, they hit this beautiful chord, and they still work separately as separate notes. Except the relationship exactly. doesn't, doesn't work without the two of you. That's it's harmony, you know. Like like music, since you brought it up, is the only thing that that doesn't obscure. If you look at if you look at it on a stage, you see ballet dancers, and they're beautiful. Like and there's like 30 ballet dancers, and they're moving around. In it's like musical notes, right? They're moving, but at any given moment, one of the ballet dancers will 
briefly flash in front of one behind and it obscures one behind. But musical notes don't do that. If you have musical notes and you add another one, it doesn't obscure, it adds harmony. And then music is the only thing. Multiplies. Exactly. It's the only thing we have that does that, you know? And it's like, it's remarkable. It's like, wow, man, I could keep talking for an hour about that. It's fantastic. It's, 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 It's like, I think these are good analogies also for people to, for certain periods of their life, put them over over their lives because I've done that so many times with so many different maps of meaning uh, and I always try I always do try to keep in mind the map is not the territory right so I don't want to get attached to the map too much I was a musician for 10 years that was my life I was a martial art a martial artist for a long long time you know I will try on all of these different like ways of viewing life and, and for someone like that's why I'm glad you brought up literature because and let's just quickly circle around to that because you know, every single time um, you've been asked for book recommendations a thousand times, right? Every guy's like, what are your top five books for learn?" And they're expecting me to lit- r- rattle off how to be an awesome guy, the five secrets to having the best life in the world, uh, and three, three other how-to books, right? And, and I always say, oh, fuck, I don't know. I've read a few how-to books and some of them have had useful things, but read a really good novel. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just read, you know, those ones that people have read for hundreds of years, just read one of them. If they're yeah, too hard, and they're too, if the Russian ones are too hard, just read a bit and put it down and try it again a bit later. Don Quixote, just read 50 pages. You get the general idea. Just like yeah, immerse yourself yeah. a little bit into the canon of Western and other civilized fucking creative thought because it, all the secrets of life are not in a how-to book. And it's all been said before. You're 100%. Okay, of course. Like, like... I've never read a self-help book in my life that I, that I know of. And I get, guys will give me, you know, a book, say, Zan, this book meant a lot to me and I wrote an inscription and I want to give it to you. And, I, and, and I'm not saying they're bad books, I just can't get into them. Yeah. But, you know, you read, you read like the, the autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini, for instance, right? Or Casanova's memoirs. Yes, I've read that, for sure. So, so, you, so what you, literature and, and stories of going to see, men who went out and said, like, I'm going to go and try and seek treasure, yes. that ins- inspires you and makes you think, you know what, we're all in this together. They're all broken, broken childhoods, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Very important good... to remember that, guys. Yeah. All, great, all great men, probably. Do you think great men come from, like, a, a family background where the mother and father love each other? And, you exactly. know, he, he goes to a good job and she's well-balanced and no, no one's taking opioids or getting drunk or cheating on each other or fucking got mental illnesses or slapping you around a bit? No, that's not where greatness no. comes from. <laughs> You're 100% correct. And, no, and nobody knows this, you know. They think, like, well, I didn't have this good childhood. So literature and stories of adventure, you know, like story like i always say, say that the, the greatest movies to me and the greatest books are the ones that are a journey from mm. order to chaos mm-hmm. like apocalypse now and and the sheltering sky and you mean chaos and, to order no oh. order to chaos okay because we that. have this we have this oh, right. a sense of com- a comfortable sense yeah. of co- and right. you go into what you where your your metal is tested you know right. like the movie dead man with with johnny depp you know it's like it's like he's like this upright guy going you know and then he goes out into the west and it's like those to me, for me personally, that that makes me my my eyes go like, there's such possibility and so potential in this world because of those kind of journeys into into the wilderness, you know, forty days and forty nights in the wilderness, hmm. you know, like the, the 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 Israelites, you know, they went from Egypt to to you know to to the promised land, and it took them it took them forty years, and yet if you walk there, it would take like maybe twenty four hours. 
Mm-hmm. You know, but it took four. You had there was there was generations of Israel Israelites born who never knew what a pharaoh looked like or a pyramid looked like right. because they were born in the wilderness, fighting their way over so, to the next century. Yeah. So every forty years you have to go like you have to every forty years you have to go and discover what was discovered forty years ago. That's yeah. a really interesting one because. I don't know about what, I'd be interested to know what inspired your initial journeyings because mine were like, we're looking back in the 90s now when I was coming out of high school and, and I, I, I finished high school and I decided to not go to uni. So I went and worked on an orange farm out in like basically the equivalent of the Oki Desert and saved money and then went traveling around India and Asia, ended up studying martial arts and went on my journeys in, in that capacity. Um, and what inspired me was stories of the beat generation, stories of early, yeah. like, so, you know, William Burroughs and Jack, Jack Kerouac. Also some of the traveling, I, I read a lot about the Amazon jungle. I was really fascinated as a young age. And there were these naturalists, uh, Schultz, someone Schultz, who was the first guy that like found ayahuasca in 1932 in the, you know, wow. in the Amazon, you know, and I was reading these kinds of things going, and he was a, 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 tr- a description of a tripping Austrian botanist back in 1932. I'm like, I'm going there one day, whatever, I'm going to figure that out. You know, those were the things, reading a book like The Snow Leopard, which is, uh, I don't know if you've read, but it's a, it's a, a book about one man's, it's a, you know, a, a travel memoir of him going to the Nepal trying to find a snow leopard, right? So that's, that's, that's it, that's the oh, story. Oh, I've heard of this. Pe- yeah, yeah, Peter, yeah, yeah. Peter Mathiasen. So like these, these journeys really called to me of, of usually like kind of, yeah, a bit broken men going, and, going to somewhere that was a bit exotic to find something, whether it was a, a teacher, a lost cat, you know, a psychedelic juice or whatever, in some kind of journey where I was stripped of my, here I am, an Australian boy living in an Australian city that's pretty safe, going to uni with my friends. Wow. Like I had this yearning to like, I need to be out in where, that, where, where I'm being tested, right? Yeah. That's great, man. That, that is fantastic, you know? You, you're seeking something, you know? Like the movie adaptation. Mm-hmm. Like the, this woman from New York City went and found this guy who lived in the swamps and he was trying to seek ghost orchids, you know, it's so rare. And right. nobody knew it, just him. And he's toothless guy and he's, I just love these ghost orchids. And she wrote, you know, why have I never had, have I ever been as passionate about anything as he is about ghost orchids, you know? Incredible. Yeah. This is what's missing. That conviction and that passion in the heart of men, you know, like, so you, you sought it out, you said, I'm this. I have this comfortable life. You could be. You could be an accountant in Australia. Right oh, now, you know, could you know? be doing just fine. Probably not as well as I am, yeah. but doing fine. Adventure, man. Mm. You have to seek adventure. You have to go into the world and see what you're made of. What's one of your favorite adventures? I and I'm always wary of saying what's your favorite anything because if <laughs> anyone asks me that, I have to go. Oh, I don't know. But like, what's a what's a standout adventure that you've had along the way? Not not necessarily because it was. A, I mean, if it was a great story, but something where which was kind of pivotal for you. Well, that's a good question. Um, uh, like I had adventures when I was young in, in the forest, you know, like in the wilderness mm-hmm. and like surviving. And I read something last night. Uh, somebody sent me something about the idea of physical cold, you know, like hypothermia and stuff like that. And I, and I thought back, when was I cold in my life? I'm from northern Canada. Mm-hmm. All right. With, with, and I was poor, so I didn't have the proper trappings and the proper, you know. And I remember so many times in my life where I'm like, I think I'm going to die in this cold. I'm going to die. Like I'm, I'm locked out and I, and you know, and so I don't know. There's, there's so many, there's so many things in Colombia, in Nicaragua, in different places where you, you have this scrape with danger, mm-hmm. which I could, uh, yeah, which are, you know, which are real if you traveled a lot, you know, like, yeah. And, um, I don't I, know. I had a fun one. I was it just occurred to me then was, 
I was in, uh, my, my brother lived in Mongolia for two years because his wife was an is an anthropologist and so she was studying uh, basically post-Soviet Buddhism, like a very obscure specific, oh, wow. specific thing, right? So they lived in Mongolia and they used to do a lot of field uh, study going to the monasteries to speak to lamas and cool stuff. So I went to visit them there, a very, very harsh place, Mongolia, not, not a fun place. And we were out, we went on this in this Russian Jeep, which was packed with about 20 people, and it should have taken eight maybe, and rolling over the steps, which are just bumpy sand dunes covered in grass, basically, that go forever for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of kilometers. And we eventually got to, so we we're going, it took us a day and a half to get wherever we were at this, front, at this frontier town, which was a mining town in the middle of fucking nowhere in Mongolia, right? And we arrived late at night, and they had this mess hall thing, which is where the miners would come and eat. And that was where you could go and get food. And they had basically these mutton momos. That was it. And, uh, and so like we, we, it was my, me, my ex-wife, my brother and his wife. And we rolled out of this Jeep, just exhausted and shell-shocked from 20 hours on the road. Walked into this mess hall, which looked like something out of uh, uh, the American West, but they were all huge Mongolians, right? So like it was like basically a saloon full of big ass drunk minor Mongolians. And then a few like grand grannies and whatever. And we sat down and they like served the stuff. And I looked around and I realized my brother wasn't there. And we'd only been in there for a minute. And suddenly my brother bursts in, runs in like looking not happy and two huge fucking drunken miners running carrying bottles of vodka. And he comes circles around and he's like, they want me to buy them vodka. And, and, <laughs> and I'm like, oh wow, this is quite a scene. Like these, and Mongolians are monstrous. Like six foot, just huge. Tanks, just aggressive, you know, bad Russian vodka fuel. Just they're like, oh, and they sound like um, Kling they sound like Klingons. They sound like Klingons for God's sake. So it's like, and um, this we had this brilliant moment where my brother's not at all trained for fighting. I'm trained as a as an elegant kung fu dude, but not as a great you know scrapping ballroom barroom fighter. And I take I put my hand on a chair because I'm like I have to take one of these guys out with a chair, and the guy comes comes up. And he's t at the table, and suddenly out of my nowhere, my, I've never seen, my brother's the most beautiful pacifist, like, lives, li his life is, a, is a, a poem, essentially, right? You would like him. And he just flips the table, like literally grabs it, flips it, and as it's coming down, he clocks the guy once on the nose. And wow. the dude, and it's just, it's just this smack, and the guy just like goes back, and like looks at his buddy and then like an old lady in the corner says, ah, oh, no, no, you know, get the fuck out. And they're like, ah, and then they go out. Beautiful, beautiful moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's living a life, man. It's like mm -hmm. going to see what you're made of and see, you know, like scare yourself a little bit. That's what modern man doesn't do. You know, they don't go into the, into the corners of the world and say, wait a minute, what am I, you know, can I, can I, can I make something of myself? You know, so we have no legacy. I think guys do that uh, by making a hundred small choices a day where they choose safety over over risk or yeah. comfort over like because that sort of stuff because maybe some guys are like oh I don't know how you know I'm not a, like I don't want to like travel the world doing weird things I just want to have a better life well cool but it's like every single time you walk out the door and and look down instead of holding your head up every time you you know talk yeah, to the girl point. talk to the girl at the coffee shop and, and instead of just going, give me a mulatto, you say, hey, so how was your day today? Or, you know, anything where you break your habits, which are safe habits, because we have, all of us have them, right? I mean, we have- Which is looking of, down. Yeah, we have hundreds, looking if not thousands habits. of habits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
which, which keep us safe in the sense disconnected, not in da physical danger, etc. But each one has a price. And so that's what I yeah. think most people don't actually look at. What is the catalogued over the lifetime? Those things start to curve and become very different lives. Yeah, you know, Tennessee Williams said security is a kind of death. And it's, it is real, you know, it's like, it's like, well, I mean, we've been talking about it for quite a while here. It's like, what, what's the, like, like I said earlier, what exists because of you? What, what is your legacy? When you're on your deathbed, you want to look back and say, hmm, man, I had these memories, that girl and that girl and that experience I had and that, and that journey I went on, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you're not creating these kind of like memories, what are the best memories you can possibly make? You know, if you're not creating memories, you're just existing. You're, you're consuming food, you know? Yep. And, um, you know, it's, you know, and we're in lockdown times right now and everybody's saying, well, you know, um, I don't, what are you doing with your time? I don't know. Right. Let's, let's have a discussion about that, but let me go and take a piss. Cause I think that'll be a good spot to talk about what's next for people. I'll be back in a minute. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're back. So, uh, in the bathroom break, Zan and I were just discussing our respective like locations where we live. I lived for the last number of years on and off in Budapest, Hungary, and Zan's been in Bucharest, Romania. So next door to each other for anyone who doesn't know where that is, it's near Russia. Just say it's there. Approximately <laughs> near, near, near approximately, Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, near it, near the, near the James Bond movies. So <laughs> there's a reason for that. Like it's not a coincidence that, no, is it a coincidence? It's not a coincidence that we just re decided to live in the same area and that many other men that we know who are adventurers, who prioritize their love and relationships and also like personal freedom, I think is, have ended up in these areas. So what do you, what do you th say to guys in terms of where you live and, the, and let's say the lifestyle that you construct in that place, how important that is in terms of your overall happy, happiness and being able to manifest your destiny? Because I know if I'd, been, if I'd stayed in the place that I was brought up, I could not be doing what I was doing, even though I would still be me, I would have probably found something to do there, but it's like, there are systemic limitations to locations. There are places that foster things and others that don't. And, there, and a lot of people think you need, if you wanted to live overseas or something like that, live in another country, that that would, you would need to, I don't know, you would need to be earning six figures. You would need to be invited over, be invited by a company or something. Like, what are your thoughts on being a man who's, born in one country and now can live, travel, work, love in many. Well, you know, like, like I said, like my influences are Casanova who just like, you know, he, he picked up and went to the next place with no money yeah. and figured it out as he went. And, and he said this, you know, I trust in the river of life that's going to like guide me, you know, like I have to, I have to trust in something. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, I left Canada and I've been traveling. I traveled for years. I was in you know, Africa and all kinds of places. And I came to Romania and I'm like, wait a minute. People say, listen, Vancouver, which is the closest city to where I'm from in, in Canada, is such a beautiful city. Yeah, it is a beautiful city. If you like mountain biking and rollerblading and hiking, but I like nightlife and coffee culture and, you know, like, and I like girls, you know, so like, hmm. so for me, it's like, I came to Romania. I'm like, there's a beautiful, there's a beautiful energy here of the people who are like, they don't watch TV. Anybody, anybody older than 40, because of the communist cutoff, you know, 1989, you know, you know mm -hmm. the wall fell in Berlin and, and communism stopped here, Ceausescu and stuff like that. Anybody older than 40 years After old, they brutally killed their dictator, just so you know. Yeah, like, they, 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 they were, they were not the fucking around. They were yeah. not fucking around. <laughs> they killed the guy 
And anybody in that from that era is is watching the news and looking out their window like this, suspicious of the neighbors and stuff like that. But anybody who's younger than that, mm-hmm. like 45 or whatever, yep. is speaks English, is worldly, has traveled the world, has seen some things, who's highly educated and full of energy and fun and beautiful, you know, energy. And, and it's a... Uh, so you think, I came here, I was invited to come here, I'm like, Romania, I'm Canadian, who knew, you, if you're Canadian, you go to Europe, you go to Italy, you go to France, you go to, you know, so I came here to Romania and I was, and my, and I was shocked and I, and I loved it and I, and, and the women are fantastic as far as I'm concerned and, um, and so, yeah, so I, 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 this nomad that traveled and traveled and traveled and when I came to Romania, I stopped traveling. I, you know, for the first year, I was still going out and I was like taking off, and, but I kept coming back here because there's something you hear. But you know what I discovered with 23andMe, the DNA, uh, you know, All right. genetic testing, my father, my grandfather, my grandfather came over to Canada when they were three years old from Ukraine, but they, they came from the border of Ukraine and Romania, so Bukovina, which is just north of Transylvania. So I have, so when I think it's my DNA. I, I like the weather. I like the women. I like the food. I like so it's, my DNA is here. So nice. when I when I travel and travel and travel, I came here. I'm like, wait a minute. Hmm. And now I'm and now I'm I'm resident here, even though I travel constantly. Not now with the with the you know, lockdown. You know, you just said you've got a, you had a Ukrainian grandfather, right? So did I, by the way. Uh, really? Is, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My mother, my grandmother, and my grandfather, and my father's side are 100% Ukrainian. Wow. wow. And they were born there. And they and my father speaks Ukrainian to them, you know. But uh, they, you know, he or he speaks English and they speak Ukrainian. And they understand each other. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. My grand, my grandfather. Really? Yeah. Yeah. My grandfather was Ukrainian, born in Ukraine, and then my grandmother was Hungarian. They were both refugees after the Second World War. They came to Australia. They both married Australians, and that's that's where I came from. So that's wow. why I'm, that's why I've got my nice, you know, Eastern Euro schnoz. That's so you hum- have the same background as me, man. That's why yeah, you, that's, that's why you love. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, <laughs> I think like what's interesting to note here is because the way that it sounds like you and I discovered places that we wanted to live. I didn't plan that. I went traveling and I went and I yeah. arrived in a city and I was like, how do I meet some girls here and make a friend? And oh, I may as well do a class here and I'll, I'll stay here for a bit, or maybe I'll come back here next year. You know, that's how I did Budapest. I, I went- Yeah, 100%, I literally, wide open. Just went backpacking and I went, oh, I like a number of elements here and the bathhouse or whatever. And the next year I came back and then I ran a workshop there and then I thought I'll spend three months keep here. Keep coming back. Like what I would say to guys is that, firstly, let's, let's be fucking real here, guys. You had your chance. Now everything's locked down. It's all being taken away. You don't even have the choice anymore. Feel that burn yeah. for a minute. Feel the regret because I've got none. I don't think you would either. I've got like, no. I, I went to like, yeah, I wanted to go to Georgia and I will soon. But like I went and did every fucking thing I wanted to do, experienced the many things. If it was all taken away from me now, I'd be like, I had a pretty good one. I, I, no complaints. When you, on your deathbed, if, you, if, you, if, if your plane was going down and you have three minutes before it hits the ground, you could sit there and say, you know what? This sucks because I'm going to die. But mm. at least I did that. I'd be like, just give right? me four minutes so I can remember it. Oh, that was exactly, good. Oh, that exactly. Was good, I forgot about that one. But anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, now, now what we're doing is we're like memory flexing. It's like, dudes, yeah. my memory is shit all over your memories. <laughs> but anyway, what I want to say is like, okay, it is good to do that to, and it's not about beating yourself up. It's about being clinical and going, all right, this is the life that I led. 
these were the decisions I made and it had these consequences and that was the best that I was going to get out of that life. Was that good enough? And I think for so many men, the answer wow. is obviously no. And so then the question remains, well, when, when, when the day one of the lockdown opens, and I think in some ways that is an important day for a lot of people, it'll be different in different places. Yeah. But because everyone, I know everyone is probably having a sense of like, well, all right, this time I will go and do, if I get another chance, I'm going to go and do it. Well, I hope so. But I, I, I would lay money on it. I would lay, what, what's the currency in Romania? Uh, lay. 50 lay. Or I, I, I will 50 lay. lay 50 I'll lay. put I'll put down 50 lay that if you don't It's about do, 10 bucks. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Look, my business is not doing as well as it used to, so you know. All right. <laughs> that if you if you don't do that the things you said you were going to do or thought you were going to do on the first day, you won't do them. That's that's my prediction. Oh, that's not maybe that's yeah. negative. Maybe that's like I'm putting people in a negative trance there, but No, 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 no. It's a it's a challenge. It's a call mm. to action. Absolutely. Mm. Because it's like, question, man. I don't know about you, but I, I have this thing that follows me throughout life, which, which is a sense of urgency, not about like going and doing this something or getting the next thing or whatever, but an urgency of like, shit, am I living life right now yeah. really well? Yeah. Really well. That's, that's, and that's kind of my benchmark. Not like perfectly, not like absolutely optimized. Did I do every single push-up correctly and take every micronutrient correctly? No, I didn't. But did I live today pretty damn well and, and, a consec and enough of those consecutively that I'm not wasting my life? Like I have a sense that if I'm not doing that and I notice like, there's times when I'm come out of numbness where I like, well, I zoned out for a day or you know, I was irritated. I was thinking about that conversation. I was having an angry conversation for three hours. And you know, I'm like, really, that's three, three lost hours of my life that were wasted. Okay, you come out of that and you go, ah, oh, fucking snap out of it, go and do <laughs> some gardening or jerk off or whatever. But for me, that sense of urgency plagues me daily. And uh, I, don't wow. think a lot of, I don't think a lot of people, I don't, I, it, I don't see evidence that everyone else is having that because they seem to just be chill letting days and weeks and months and shitty relationships pass and go, oh yeah, what was that five years of my life? Yeah, I just, just thought I'd let that go past. <laughs> you know what? There, I, there, I read an article, I think it was in Psychology Today or something, and somebody sent me the, this article. And it was this, the idea is this concept, which is remarkable when you think about it. And the, this article said that there's a, there's, a, there's a percentage of people who have no inner monologue, who, ne who never look out the window and wonder. They just eat, get a raise, get a job, and they just, they just exist in life. And, and which is nobody here who's listening to this because you wouldn't be listening to this if you were just like, you know, one of those type of guys. So that's remarkable, that driven energy that you, that you say that you, you've had since you were young, you know, you're driven, you want to find, you want to, you're a seeker, you're a treasure hunter. Oh, and to me, it's like, I don't even have a sense so much that I need to have a legacy like that, you know, I, I, I compose something that's going to last. Or a conclusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I did something that lasts the test yeah. of time and people will always look back and go, well, Jim, James Marshall sure yeah. did know how to whatever. It's, I just have this sense of like, because I feel like I'm 20 and I know I'm not. You know, I'm like, the, the facts are I'm 40. Even though I feel like I'm still young and life is da da da, I'm like, okay, the time is moving, life is passing, I will yeah. die. And the humans are really bad at conceptualizing their own death, I th and especially Western men, like Western humans. Like, I'm sure in other yeah. times and places, people had a very good concept of death, whereas, and you know, they, they came to peace with it, they, they, they discussed with it, you know, they had a relationship with death, whereas, you know, 
Western civilization is terrified of and ignores it until the last possible moment. And, and so therefore mm. you get this weird Peter Pan sense of like, I'm always here and I'm here mm -hmm. and suddenly I'm dead. And the, the, you know, when another thing when guys ask me, oh, you know, how do I get over my, I'm like, dude, you're, you're 28 or you're 35 or you're 21. Yeah, you have no idea. Like this, you've got like this block of time from around 20 till around 40-ish, give or take, when you can be free and do these things. You don't get to do it like much, much later, less, much less likely, right? Now is the time. Yeah. Every year you spend pondering the question of like, oh, how do, what, what's the best way to get Incredible. over? You've just stolen, what's the percentages on that? If, 20, if you only live for 20 years and one year is then what percentage of your life? Five. You just blew 5% of your life th thinking about whether you should talk to a girl, you fucking idiot. Get moving. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? You never have it figured out. You never arrive, you know, like you think someday you jump out of bed, uh, ta-da, and have it figured out. No, you're always like questioning. If you're a seeker, you're questioning. You know, like I saw this video, which which stopped me in my tracks. It's this old guy, he was 96 years old. And when he was in his 50s and 60s, he wrote these influential books on, he was a philosopher his whole life, right? Teacher of philosophy. He wrote these books on what we can know, the conscious brain, consciousness, you know, uh, this kind of stuff. And he's 96 years old and he's sitting there and he's like, he's old and he's talking to the camera. He says, you know, I spent my whole life examining my heart and examining others and trying to write this, these books of certainty about what is consciousness, what is, you know, and I spent my whole life trying to like, trying to give a message to the world of, of, of these philosophical concepts and I have failed. Incredible, man. Mm. I failed, and now I'm just an old guy waiting to die. That is wow. remarkable, you know? There's, there's, there's nothing else. There's, we're never going to figure it out, but we're, we're seekers, and we're, like, we, you know, we're approximating it, you know? Everybody's on a journey, and you never land. You just, like, you, you, you keep sitting in the mystery. You keep seeking mystery. There's no answers, you know? There's, mm. But there's great questions, and there's great mystery. And, yeah. You know, and, and there's coronavirus time. Like I, I just posted on Facebook that in the 1600s, Sir Isaac Newton left Cambridge University because the plague was ravaging, you know, and he they went had to the countryside. Badass he old self, school I, plagues, plagues where shit would exactly. explode out plague, of the Bad shit. Real plague. Killed 15%, 15% of London. And this guy took off into the wilderness because like in a small town, he said, I have to self-isolate. He isolated for a year, just like we are now. And he created... He invented calculus, he created optics, he created the idea of the planetary motions and, and changed the world, Seems you know, in isolation. So, well, it's just, the, it's just the, whole, the whole planet decided everyone needed to go in, into a meditation retreat for a couple of months. It's just like, dudes, yeah. we're gonna send out our, B, our like B grade pestilence just to like yeah. put you inside and have a think about what you've done. Yeah. What I would like to do now is, um, oh, sorry, unless, unless I've cut you off from a point, which I do sometimes because my mind mm -hmm. bounces around. It did bring up one great thing, which was that there's a very, in, in that story of the gentleman you said, who, who managed to maintain his humility till the end, right? Yeah. Even though yeah. he was a professional expert at being, at thinking about stuff, right? And, and could have, like many other people, decided that because I can argue my way Incredible. rings around most people, I can convince them I'm right. 
And those that I don't think are right, I can tell them to fuck off. And then I can be an expert and I can be right and I can get all yeah. the trappings of being right, which is devotion and, ar and arrogantly feeling like I'm awesome and so on. And that is a massive problem I think, I mean, certainly in our industry, in, in any industry where someone elevates themselves as an authority and other people exactly. do Exactly. Other people do as well, right? Like people ask me questions about stuff I don't know anything about. Like they're like, they ask me where to invest stocks. I'm like, I would not take advice on stock market stuff from me right now. Definitely take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> but it's like, you know, people do want to hand over authority to people they perceive to be voices of authority. And, it, and, it's, and it's intoxicating easily. And then people can decide, all right, I know enough about this thing that I'm done and I'm an expert on it and I don't need to take that any further. And I, I know I've failed at this at points, but I try to keep that beginner's mind where I'm always trying to at least learn something where I feel like a fool yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah I think yeah. that's an, maybe that's like would be one of my takeaways is like always be learning a skill that you're pretty shit at right now because that'll keep you humble. It'll keep you searching. You know what? Uh, Carl Jung the psychologist, right? You look at his last writings before he died. And he said, you know what? I spent my life in psychoanalysis of myself and others. And I had all these ideas and uh, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And he said, you know what? Like, I completely, like, I never got it. I never understood. And like all my work is, you know, and Da Vinci, Leonardo Da Vinci said, you know what? He, his last words were before God and before man, all my work has not been what I wanted it to be. You know, mm -hmm. we revere Da Vinci, you know, as, like as you go to perfection. Italy and it's like, yeah, perfection, like this scientific mind is, and he said, you know what, all my work is crap. That's what he said. So you're no different. Mm -hmm. None of you are any different. You're gonna like, any artist looks at, Picasso said, you don't, you, you don't get tired of a, a, a you, or you don't finish a painting, you get tired of it and walk away. Like, I'm, I'm sick of it. I can't look at it anymore, you know? Nice. So, that's the the measure of our experience and and nobody's better than anybody else you're not you're not going to surpass da vinci or picasso or anything you're just the, we're just guys and women who are trying to figure it out and when we're on our deathbed we're looking back say man i don't know i still don't know it's still a mystery but did i try that i i truly tried i tried i tried to have a good experience i tried to make a you know people around me to have a good experience to to elevate all the boats you know yeah and at least I did that. At least I tried. You know, like, but what are these days? You, you know, it doesn't take long, man. Uh, now it's going to be at least, at least I swiped my way through my 20s and 30s. At least. Exactly. <laughs> oh, the generation that swiped, that swiped their life away. Okay, what I want to do to, to wrap up, because I know we, you and I could talk for many an hour, for and sure. we will uh, at another time. But what I'd like to do is answer a few questions that some of my guys have sent in. Okay. And they, and they sent a bunch. But because I know that you and I could and will, if kept unchecked, spend 30 minutes on each question, uh, Alex, the Austrian, is going to set a precise timer that will be obeyed. What do you think? Two minutes a question? No, make it three. Come on, don't give us that much. I want you to... So a three-minute answer, a like three a bottom-line answer. answer. Right. Yeah, I like it. Perfect. All right, three yeah. minutes. All right. Rock so and roll, rock and roll. Three minutes per... No, three minutes per question. We just do... And we're not going to both answer it. We just one for Yes, one. no, I don't know. Well, That's done. Okay, so I guess I will just ask you some questions and then I'll ask one of me and so on. Is that how it works? Well, you answer two, no? Uh, we, I think because we got so many, we just let's just get one voice from each. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Because, gotcha. you know... Yeah, then we'll get more questions done. All right, and some of the guys have asked specifically for you or me, but most of them they've just said, hey guys, so yeah. All right, so here we go. 
Gents, uh, James and Zan are about to do a rapid fire, three minutes each, question Boom. time. Ready on the timer, Alex? I'll ask the question and then we go. All right, now, just for comedy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask these first two, Zan, which we're not gonna answer. These are by, both by Mike. <laughs> Number one, my Tinder profile is great, but I still, still get no swipes. What do I do? Don't care. Next one, how do, you tr- how do you try to make something happen with women at house parties? Worry about that when you can next go to a house party. All right, that's that. Now, here's a good one. I think this one's for you, Zan. How do you deal with yourself and the issues to expand your life when you still have ongoing internal issues to sort out? Is moving forward always slow and ugly? All right, and go. We talked about it earlier, which is like you go to sea, you know, go to, to adventure. Like we try and like have self-medication, self-counseling, uh, self all this kind of stuff. Just just go into the into the wilderness and for 40 days and 40 nights, see what you're made of. You know, like we've never had that. So that's my quick and uh, dirty answer. But yeah, I really believe it. And is Go see what forward? you made up. Scare yourself a little bit. Right. Yeah. And is moving forward always slow and ugly? Because that's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, it is. It's like, it's uncertain. You're not, you, the rest of your life you'd be uncertain. But at least you're, you're a student of life and you're attempting. At least you're, you're, you're doing your damnedest to try and figure it out. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it's fast and hot as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, cool. So this one's for me. Aimed at James, what do you anticipate to be your... Oh, you, get, you have to be keeping an eye on the timer and it's like a chess game. Boom. Oh, and <laughs> we see if we can just cut it down to the most zen. No, that's all right. We can, we can take our three minutes. Okay. All right. What do you anticipate to be your single biggest challenge now, now that you've moved to Portugal? And by that, they mean into the countryside. How do you plan on tackling it? This could be mental, physical, logistics. Okay. Uh, the answer to that is... The, the biggest issue is isolation, right? Is being, being in a place that's away from people. And I tackled that by firstly, I don't mind being alone for long periods of time. And I think that's like before the Corona lockdown, I was here by myself for seven weeks, right? So I was, all, I was already in lockdown because I was choosing to have a period where I just was by myself meditating and gardening. But I know that that's not necessarily the best thing forever. This is where I, I've come up comes down to the build it and they will come principle. If you are charismatic and crazy enough, you can go anywhere and people will come and join you. And if you are, if you've got something awesome to do. And so I know that as so so long as I'm using this physical space, which is a 30 acres of land and, and a bunch of old houses to create something that brings people together through my natural warrior training or through my, my brothers run artist retreats here already, you know, whether that's through yoga, retreats or just getting interesting people to come in or engineering a global health crisis so my five friends can come here and hang out for a while uh, uninterrupted. Whatever it is, the build it and they will come thing does stand. And so I guess that to you guys ties into if you want to live an exceptional life and you want to have, you want to build your own kingdom, whatever that looks like, fairly likely it's not going to happen in the city that you were born in with the people that you went to school with. Right. Maybe that maybe that's, you know, you went to be you went to school with the Beatles and you guys start the Beatles and fucking all right. That's <laughs> fucking lovely. Uh, but I wasn't. I mean, I, some of my old friends were awesome, but like they did other stuff. So the ability to like pick up and go to the place where you think it might be. And I didn't know this was going to be the last place and it probably won't be the last. But I didn't know I was going to end up becoming an organic farmer in Portugal. But I knew that I was going to keep looking for people, places and times in places, right? Because 
the you know being in sick being 1969 living on Haight Nashbury Street in San Francisco if you're a hippie was the best place to be at that time if you were like I don't know a 40 year old housewife it wasn't right there was <laughs> like maybe it well maybe it really was like <laughs> happening on the planet right now is all sorts of amazing like uh, renaissances of something whether it's fucking parkour or movement or music or psychedelic use or being a global nomad or any of that kind of stuff. There are places where it is rocking and places where it sucks. I came from a place where it sucked and so I moved out of that. So that's the thing I want you to take away from that. Build it and they will come. Go to where the dream is. All right. And believe in yourself and be natural. That was too good. It's 55. Cool. (laughs) Okay. This one is how do you remedy bad self-esteem and unworthiness. What must happen internally to accept yourself and even love yourself? And then he says, just a, a detailed answer would be greatly appreciated. So you've got three well, minutes. I, I, to <laughs> here's my one minute answer to that is like, you know what? We're all broken. We're all, we're all trying to figure it out. We're all lost and alone in this world. You know, is it, you know, Jordan Peterson said this, you know, if you don't have a heartbreak in your life right now, within five years, you will. Because that's a, that's human nature. Within five years, you'll you'll be heartbroken about something, you know. So, you know, all uh, human life is suffering and pain and loss and and wishing, and that's a, but that's also the beauty of it. It's like the 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 sadness is the beauty of it all too. You know, it's like right. Which which it, it you cannot have beauty, which is the thesis of my books. You know, you can't have beauty without sadness. You can't have it. It's a component of it. Sure. That's, that's such an important thing. Uh, I, yeah. Can I just tell you, like a friend of mine who died recently, he said one of his sayings was, or something he said once was, mourning is a way of loving something that is no longer with you. And loving is a way of mourning something that is with you, is still with oh, you. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Isn't that's it, great. Isn't it so fucking brutally dead? That is fantastic. You know what? Mm. That is fantastic. Yeah. It's, yeah. Re- it's true. It's like... Life is full of suffering and we're going to be suffering, you know, and, but, you know, like, but that's part of the reason that we, 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 we create and we do poetry and we do this kind of things, you know? So, wow. That's fantastic, man. Mm. I like that. Okay. Next one. Uh, this is, this one I like, maybe, maybe I think we can, we can both answer this one briefly. So Quentin says as thought leaders, oh, have you been called a thought leader to your face before? That's that. Thanks. That, that feels good. All right, I'm done. I don't need to learn anything anymore. Learn it all, thought leader. He says, as thought leaders, you are both an inspiration to men all over the world. Men look at your lifestyles and mindsets and attempt to emulate them. Are there any qualities or mindsets that you think guys shouldn't try to learn from you? So I'll, I'll answer mine first. I think that's a good question. Okay. So I would say the answer is probably yes, but you may not find out about what you shouldn't learn from me. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. One thing that's interesting about your mentors, and I found this for myself, and, and I think this is probably universal, unless your mentor is an absolute enlightened saint, right? Like who has just transcended all human yeah. ego and foibles and pettiness. The closer you get to your mentor, the more they may surprise you and also disappoint you, right? Like yeah. it's like, as you get You'll closer to- heroes, yeah. Right, it's like, if, if, but if you get too close to a great teacher, 
they may surprise you with layer after layer of, of things that you're like, whoa, okay, they, they get it on a deeper and deeper level. But you'll be also equally surprised about, at about how petty or egotistical or shy or whatever they might be in many other areas. One thing I, I was learning from this amazing Kung Fu master two years ago, I went to China to learn from him. And he's a, he's a monster. And as I learned from him, his skills wow. got better and better. Each time like, I'm like, fuck, this guy knows so much. And each time it gets deeper and deeper. But one thing I thought was cute about him was that he would come into the dojo in the morning and he would spend like 30 seconds like checking himself out in the mirror. He'd get in there and just like shadow box yeah, a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was just like checking him like, yep, I'm fucking look badass. And I'm like, that's not what I would have expected like an enlightened monk, wow, kung, kung fu monk to do, right? Like you'd be like, well, he should be above that. But he's like, no, I'm a fucking kung fu monk and I look like one, so I'm gonna do that for a bit, you know? Um, so anyway, I guess what I'm saying is be, be very wary of hero worship of anyone, anyone, except for, I would say, mythological heroes because they weren't real, right? You can take a, the myth of a hero, which, which really, okay, it wasn't a physical person. It was, it was a conglomerate of, of human wishful thinking into what is an ideal, right? So sure, we look at yeah, he- yeah, yeah. heroic ideals, but your heroes are humans and they, are, they, are, they can be dickheads, they can be selfish, they can be lazy, they can be addicted to things, they can be all sorts of stuff and still be awesome at what they do. Or you may get close to them and find that they're, also, they're, they're all those things and they're not even awesome at what they said they could do. So what I, <laughs> what I would say is, from me, things you shouldn't try and learn from me, like maybe I'm, I, ha- I have definitely prioritized freedom over happiness. I would say, right? So oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, as, as a core value, like I have chosen to walk away from things that would have been very happy and that would include good relationships or stable locations maybe, or, or ways of like, or even like ways of, uh, would you say like habits? Like I'm not, I don't have excellent habits. I have a lot of really good habits and I have a bunch of bad habits and usually the good habits win enough that I succeed overall and I have a good time. Right, I'm not, I'm, I'm not optimized, I'm not disciplined with my time, I don't get up at the same time and eat the same nutrients every day. I eat pretty healthy, <laughs> I do stretch and all that kind of stuff. So, to, to wrap it up, my, my, in terms of mindsets you shouldn't learn from me is absolute extremism in all directions, because that has definitely screwed me up, but it's brought me a whole lot of material to give to you. All right, over to you, Zan. Any, any qualities <laughs> they, sh- they shouldn't Well, emulate? yeah, it's like, like people say, say will, come, will come up to me or, or, or email me and say, you're my favorite guru. I'm like, huh? Like, you, you've, you've got this too, right? Yeah. It's like, what do you, uh, you know, like I met this guy one time in Vancouver years ago. I was dating this girl and she said, listen, I, there's this guy from India and he's, a, he's an enlightened Swami type mm-hmm. of guy, right? Mm-hmm. And so we went to this house that he was, he was staying in and there's like a hundred people, acolytes around him, like on their knees, looking up, listening to every voice. And he's dripping with this beautiful energy and saying these wonderful things, these, these platitudes and stuff like that. And everybody's like, you know, loving and, and, and gracious and stuff like that. And, and everybody left and I was still with the girl and there was only like four or five of us or six left with this guy. And he turns to me finally, he goes, uh, so um, how long have you been following me? I don't, I don't follow you. I, don't, I, I just came here because she invited me. And he said, so what do you do? And I, and I started talking about enlightened seduction back then, which is what my thing was, right? right. He goes, this is incredible. And there's nobody listening right now. He lights up a cigarette <laughs> and he's just a dude. He's just a dude. He says, yeah, you know, man. Like, and he was just like telling the dirtiest jokes. 
before he's enlightened and and, and yeah. they can and, and beatific, you know. Yeah. And he's just a he's just a dude, you know. <laughs> so anybody who tells you that we're just we're we're just guys like like I'm not some guru. I'm the guy who likes girls and I and and I like and and I like the shape of girls, you know, bodies and stuff. And that's what I am. This I'm very simple. I'm a very simple guy. So it's like. Anybody who 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 tries to cast himself upon you as this enlightened guru is like, well, we're all trying to figure it out. We're all lost, but we're all trying to be abundant and trying to have a good experience until we die. You know? Incredible. Yeah. Like at best, we are specialists in certain ways of living that we've spent a lot more time and energy working on than the average person. And, and we so, know. And we, we know. We can help exactly. you out do that if you want to do that kind of thing. There's no question, James, that that the things that you know and that I know after all these years, you know, mm -hmm. is like robust and abundant and and really um, meaningful and can really change a life you know it's so like uh, I, I believe in what we're doing i, I yep. believe it with all my heart you know I, it's fantastic and i'm excited for it and i wish i would have had this message when i was like 19 20 years old okay. for sure yeah uh all right good next what do we got uh my turn okay this is yeah this is they, they we're starting to get like the yeah, okay, you old boys, what do you regret? What, do you, what should you have done when you were young kind of questions? But fair enough, I can wear that. My goodness, yeah. All right. What mistakes did you repeatedly make in business or seduction that you feel you could have resolved sooner? What advice do you have for someone to identify mistakes, blind spots that may be holding them back? And then he puts in brackets, coaching is 100% the best, but those who can't access it. Yeah, well, obviously the first thing you need to do is to come to one of our workshops. Ah, uh, shit, we don't run workshops anymore. Uh, just, just as an aside on that, so what are you doing now? Like, because I know you run live things. That's what I do. My job is to have fly to places, have other people fly to places, do stuff with them, and then go other places. Yeah. So I'm not doing that right now. Is well, this... I have an online membership, right? Like a, like a membership which we, which we are, you know, we have monthly calls and or like we have every every week we have something else we're giving to the membership, which is a, a call or something. Yeah, I don't know. Right. So we've got. And we've got members for over 10 years in our group, you know, like, oh, well, and yeah, so, so I do live events, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tailing, I'm, I'm kind of moving away from that because I want to write my second himself. book and yeah. So like live events and stuff like, which is incredible, which is like really strong energy for guys, but I don't know. We're, we're, we have a membership and I spend all my time with the members. Like guys come to Bucharest, right? And they'll say, yep. Hey Zan, I read your book three times, and I really, really like your message, and I would like to buy you breakfast. And I'm like, because uh, uh, I, I'm lazy, and you know, I want to hang out with my girlfriend, and you know yep. what I mean, right? Yeah. So it's like I can't respond to all these requests. But anybody who's an Amirati member, which is our our membership, right? I say, you know what, you're in town. Let's go. Let's let's do something. So like, I'll hang out with that guy. So. But, yeah, that's a that's a yeah. an interesting little technique which you just hinted at there, which is. Because I've had guys over the years who've gotten through and guys, and most who don't. Because And it's, this is not an arrogance thing. It's just like you, you reach a certain level where enough people want to talk to you about something, yeah. you know, whether it's fixing you, the you car. You can't sustain or it all, yeah. Yeah, it's, and, it's, and I think then we get a tiny inclination of what it might be like to be a reasonably popular Instagram model. <laughs> you know, like just having that, the amount of tension you can't respond to. But, but guys do that sort of thing occasionally, like where they'll be like, one guy that got me was, he said, I'll, I'll paint your portrait if we can talk while I paint it. I'm like, nice one. Well done. Yes, I will do that. You know, I've had, uh, I had one guy who offered to cook a meal because he was a chef, 
based on my five principles, right? So he was going to take a, a, and make a, a meal, a five-course meal out of it. Wow. We didn't end up, that didn't end up happening for some reason. When that, whoever that guy is, please remind me of that. That was a good idea. I said yes in my head, even if I didn't reply to you. So that was a win. But yeah, it's the guys who like are a bit creative about it and like offer something interesting usually. That, that, and they're good, and they're good guys, you know, they're sincere. Like totally. guys say, you know, I read your book three times and it meant so much to me. And I'm like, and your heart wants to respond, but I can't because I'm lazy, number one. <laughs> I'm writing my second book, number two. I'm hanging out with my girlfriend, number three. And you know, it's like, you, you just can't, you can't, uh, yeah, incredible. Incredible. All right. You, so, you want to be, because they're good guys, right? Yeah, but uh, like, I don't know, these are like, I'm a kind of, I am more ruthless than I used to be. And I feel like it, not in a nasty way. It's just that, and this answers the, this, this will answer their question. All right. Wow. So I'm, I'll answer my question if I can, timer. Uh, in terms of like, okay, mistakes that I repeatedly made, and I'm not going to talk about seduction. I'm going to talk about business just for the hell of it. The mistakes that I made in business were all people mistakes. They weren't really a marketing mistake or a strategic mistake. And right now Alex is shaking his head going, there was definitely, wow, lots of, yeah, there was yeah. lots of marketing ones. Like, yeah, there was plenty of marketing ones, but they were people mistakes. And the, they come down to trust actually, and, and being, and being fucked over by people. And so let me just in like two minutes, try to teach you how to not be fucked over by people you do business with. Because what I, what I came to understand about human nature over time is people will do what they usually do. People will do what is in their best interests. And some people will do yeah. what's, what t people will, some people will do what's in their best interests in the short term because they can only think in very immediate terms. And th some people will be better at slow rolling you or looking at that, looking out for their interests over a longer period of time. The mistake that I made was thinking that someone would be stupid enough to take a very short term view of things in order to screw me over for something that was tri a trifle in exchange for losing me and all the awesome things that I got to give them, right? That was, that's been mm. a mistake I've made multiple times because I don't, because I'm not dumb enough to do that. It's like, if I'm in a collaboration with you, for example, right? Let's, let's just say I, you sent right now, we, we sent an email after this and you accidentally sent an email, which uh, carbon copied into me, your entire email list, right? Let's just say you did that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I would never like the, the dumbest move I could make would be to go, Oh, cool. I got Zan's email list and write to them and go, Hi there, it's Zen Perion. I have a great offer for you from the Natural Lifestyles. <laughs> right? Like, this would be the dumbest thing I could do because maybe I would sell three guys, maybe, whatever, and then I would burn the bridge with you, right? It's like, exactly. That would, that would be fucking dumb. Even yeah. if I was totally evil and Machiavellian, I wouldn't do that, right? So it's like, I, 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 would, I used to assume that people wouldn't do that because as my, my viewpoint was, if I'm give, if people working with me or working around me are gaining and benefiting, then they will be loyal and they will stay to, true to this thing. And I have found that yes, some people will be and, and those people are worth fucking gold and when you find them, hang on to them for dear life, but many will not. And you will be, this is an important thing to, you will, as, as you will be cheated on by a girl at some point in your life, you will be fucked over by a friend or business partner in a heartbreaking way, in a way where you're like, wow, man, I can't believe you did that to me. That's, That's true. Yeah, like the study of human nature. So the end, end result of that is do not start your dream business and go 50-50 down the line with your buddy because your buddy's right now. You will hate each other by the end. 
it will split, someone's gonna fuck each someone over, someone's gonna do more work, work than the other guy, and it will not earn pretty. Start your own thing, and then do collaborations with other people, short-term collaborations mm. that win, win or lose, it works, it doesn't work, we made money, we made, we, it worked, we had fun, we're, be, we're better buddies, or no, that fell apart, I see that guy's a bit dodgy, I won't do that again. There you go. That's great, man, that's incredible. Have you, have you had, just as a side, have you had like major being fucked overs in the past? I tell you, man, I've hired, in the last 20 years, I've hired consultants that I spent tens of thousands of dollars and it's like, huh? I lost and lost and lost and lost and lost. And now, you know, like, you know, <laughs> it's like incredible. Okay, this is a cool question by Mark for you, Zan. So I'd like to hear you guys riff off the topic of fatherhood. Is coaching slash mentoring a fulfilling proxy for you guys? Do the women you guys date ever push for starting a family or do you make your intentions clear from the start? Uh, you know, da da da. That's the general idea. So, good question. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? You don't have any kid, kids, do you? I do. Oh, you I have do. A daughter. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this changes everything. I have a daughter from. Yeah, yeah. Like I have a daughter who in Canada, who's like my heart and soul, and like the reason, like, and she's my daughter's a fundamental Christian. You know, like she grew up and uh -huh. with, like, she grew up with a family with her mother married a guy and she had two other kids and. So grew up in this family and I was this like single guy who was like trying to figure it out. And, uh, and so I had this great relationship with her, like fantastic. We talk every day. I'm not kidding. We Skype every day. I'm in Romania. She's in Canada. We talk every day. And, um, and, and she's a fundamental Christian and, and she believes in the work we're trying to do, what you're trying to do, James, what I'm trying to do with all of her heart. She thinks it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic thing. And you know, when I go on stage, I, I'm, I get butterflies in my stomach cause I have to speak in front of like, you know, 200 people or something like that. And I get a little nervous of that. And then I think about her and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm good. You know, like I, you know, that's why I believe in what we're doing because of a great girl like that, you know? And, um, so yeah, so, uh, that's why you know, the question is what exists because of you, you know? Mm -hmm. What are you trying to create in this world? What is the legacy of you? What is this this heart burning experience when you're on your deathbed and you look back and say, man, I did this and I did that and I did that and I climbed that waterfall and I did this. What else is there, you know? So, yeah. I guess, Maybe let me ask a bit like a follow-up question to that because I think it's an interesting one because this is, this is something I ponder because I don't have children and I decided not to, I mean, it's not that I, in all finality decided. You're 40 will, now? You're 40 yeah, now? Yeah. So yeah. it's not like I decided I every day I will absolutely not have children, but I made choices all the time that negated children, yeah. right? So I decided I just didn't jizz in anyone and I kept on moving countries. So, uh, <laughs> but, but like a, a lot of guys ask me who are in their 30s and 40s and later start asking these questions are like, well, where do I get off this train? Like, you know, it, it, is this a zero sum thing? Like, you know, do I just try and squeeze out as much playboy time as I can? And then do I become a father? Do I even want to become a father? Like, do I have to be one? Mm. Like these are, these are questions that for the first time men get to ask. And so I'm curious to know, yeah, I, I didn't know that you were yeah. a father, but uh, you know, we're, we're men who didn't live traditional father uh, programs, no. right? No. So what would you say in terms of that? Like that, is it a decision of either or? Is it something that you think you could be a good, you can be a good yeah. father while still having a kind of free lifestyle, etc.? Well, there's no question. Like, like you can be a great father. Like I love my girl with all my heart 
and we, like I said, we talked to each other for years. I traveled the world. I was doing seminars or doing, you know, this kind of stuff. I have girls all over the world, you know, like in my, in my life. Right. And yet, and, you know, and, and what, but I never lost track or never lost sight of, you know, what's important in that, the connection, you know? So we have a, even though we're, we're philosophically in a different space, like she's like, you know, there's a lid for every pot and every, you know, cause she's a fundamental Christian grew up in the home where she grew up in. Right. That must be not. so relaxing to just have a lid for every pot. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's like, it, exactly, exactly. So like, and I'm this guy who's like crazy and being, I'm a pirate, you know, I live in the wind and like, I, 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 if you come, you, if you invite me to Coimbra, I'm like, hmm, let's go. I'm going to go because I got invited, I got to go. You know, it's like I'm living in the wind, you know, like Casanova did, right? And yet she's the greatest, uh, um, she's the, she's, she, she loves what I do. She calls me Johnny Appleseed because my, my first name is Jonathan, right? Like I'm Jonathan mm-hmm. Zan Perion, right? Right. And uh, so my family calls me Jonathan. Publicly, I'm known as Zan, right? My middle name. And she calls me Johnny Appleseed because she said, you're putting seeds out into the world of like, like for, for people to pick up and find some message, you know, there's no mm-hmm. message. And, uh, even though she's, she, she's, you know, you know, but what can I say? And I, and, and I, if I get jitters or butterflies in my stomach and I go on stage, you have to talk like in front of a group of people. I'm like, I think about her and I think, you know what, there's, there's something robust and incredible in this world. And I'm okay. I can stand in front of these people and say, you know, my my three or four things I want to say, you know. Right. So it's like it gives you a, a sense of redeeming uh, redemption. I don't know how else to say it, you know, redemption, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I've suspected that there's aspects of that because like, people always ask me and they, they, I can only ever give abstract answers. The, the only thing I would add to that, because I'm obviously not a father, is, well, and there, he does talk about like, do you, do we get actually like a proxy fathership through mentorship? And to some extent that's true because well, I'm yeah, passing, yeah. I'm passing on my, my memes, not my genes, but my memes are getting passed on all the time. And definitely that you get yeah. the action of fathering in some, in some way, like obviously not the, the full package, but some kind of fathering. But what I would say though, is my advice to guys is that, look, I think there's kind of two ways men have children. One is fuck, oh no, now I've got children and now I'm going to have to deal with that. And which I'd say is a lot of men. I don't know if you fit into that category, but it's like, my stepmother said that to me once. She said, oh, I don't think men ever really choose to be fathers. It just happens. And that sent chills down my spine when she said that. I'm like, whoa, wow. fuck. I'm not, I'm not going to let that happen because I was complacent. I'm not going to suddenly go, oh, fuck, I'm a father. So, you know, it's either that or you choose specifically at some point to go, cool, all right, I'm going to... I don't Consciously. Have, yeah, I haven't done that either, yeah. right? But I would say the probably the conscious one is going to afford you a lot more freedom in your life, right? Because most of the people I know, my friends who had kids in their mid to early 20s, it just nuked their life for at least 10 years. It just meant that they were broke, that they, ha- yeah, they were yeah. all broke. Yeah, and yeah. They had to stay in one place you know, or if they separated from, with the wife, which they often did, then there was all the drama and nastiness over that. And then, you know, she didn't let them see the kids or they had to stay in, in that shitty job they hated to pay for whatever, you know, all the, and you and I, I'm sure <laughs> you as well, we see the, the end, what ends up, what happens to men in relationships. You know, we see the yeah. horror stories yeah, of, yeah. and even if they're not the, the worst, they're just like shit, you know, oh, I stay with that woman for 
eight years too long. We had a kid to try and fix it. And, you know, now I love my kid, but I uh, don't know about if I should have done that, right? Like, is that the best way for you to choose to be a father? Or is it like, go and live the life that you want, have the relationships that you want. And then at some point with, after you've had the many other experiences you want and you choose to want to have children consciously, well, you know, that, that to me seems like yeah. a better way to go about it. But I mean, obviously, hum- the, if humanity relied on that, we would, it would have failed. Humanity relies on men just being dumb enough to fucking jizz and then go, oh, I'll have to deal with this. So do you want to be that or do you want to be the one who consciously jizzes? <laughs> so James, you're 40 now. Yeah. When did you turn 40? Last August. Okay, so uh, you're 40 and a half, basically, yeah, right now, yeah, right? Yeah, true. There's, a, there's an old saying, you know, life begins at 40, you know? Right. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm 56 years old, you know? Wow. And it's like, life begins at 40, it's absolutely true. When you start to get some center of gravity and like you, you get this conviction and you get this energy, you know? Right. And um, so you're, you're just on the edge of discovering the greatest potential of you. And, and I'm not kidding about that. Hmm. You're gonna create something in the next decade, which is fantastic for you. That's good to hear that, because uh, I, I yeah. certainly feel like I'm going through uh, the death of my youth, you know, in the sense that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've had a long youth, a very long one. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been on the road as a rock and roll vagabond for 20 years, more or less. So yeah, it's, it's not that I'm settling down in anyone's normal no. sense of the world. No. Uh, but yeah, I'm certainly going through a, like, a, I mean, I don't know if it's a midlife crisis or whatever, but a sense of like, okay, I've burnt out the, the Prince time of the, the, like, like I don't need so many of those challenges that I used to, or so many of those pleasures, maybe even it's like, I've to validate yourself. You don't need that anymore. Right. You know? I don't need to prove you, it as much. Life begins at 40 and, and, and your next decade will be one of creation. I promise you that. Mm. And, and you're going to feel like, like you, you, your, your synopses are firing and you're like, you're. Now becomes your learning, man. Right now, it's mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. And you'll be like, you'll step into this role which you've been given, right? You've been given a role of being this prophet to men, honestly, which is what it is, right? And you'll step into that, and you'll say, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, and I, and I'm starting to get it, and and it's fantastic for you, man. Yeah. And I'll be like, and the next bit of it, I think, is how to grow shiitake mushrooms on a rot, rotten oak log. That's what I'm working exactly. on right now. <laughs> Well, I'm actually going to, uh, right after this call, it's, it's raining level, you know, like a nice pittering rain. I'm going to go out and plant wildflowers in a new garden bed that I've made. That's incredible, man. That's, <laughs> you have no idea. I grew up with gardens and, the, and, and living, li, subsisting off the land, you know, like we, wow. had, we had to kill a moose and we had to grow the garden or we couldn't eat. Wow. That was our, wow, that's incredible. Awesome. Well, it sounds like we should, because uh, uh, just so you know, I'm starting a new channel, which may or may not be as popular, but it's called Apocalypse Organics. And it's basically uh, Hotshot's jet-setting CEO who suddenly has to become an organic farmer. And, oh, that's great. And his journey into like learning how to grow <laughs> shit whilst having chats with interesting people as they come and help me garden. That's fantastic. I got to come visit you, man. Yes. Yeah, so I want serious. you on an when- episode. Fuck when yes. they lift up this airline nonsense stuff, I'll come visit you. I'll come to I'll come to Portugal. It's like a hundred euro flight from Easy. Bucharest. It's like two Easy. hours. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a yeah. We've got like seven bedrooms here, so we've always got plenty of room. So yeah, yeah feel perfect. free anytime. Cool, man. Yeah, All right. Great. Well, I think we'll start wrapping it up. Uh, this has been a really excellent conversation. I really, really enjoyed this. And you know, you know what it's like when you have a 
we've done these things a million times where you're just like, okay, I'm having doing my thing, I'm doing another video, but I'm like, that, this was exciting. I really, really was into this. So thank you a lot for that, Zan. Yeah, you know what? You know what, James is like, it's like a kindred spirit and I get, I get it. And you have the same background to me and like, we're trying to figure this out and we're all lost. And at the same time, you know, it's like, yeah, I like it too. It's a fantastic awesome. conversation. Awesome. So for any of my guys out there who uh, want to find more out about you or want to get in touch, what's the best way and the best thing for them to do? Uh, go to rzamarada.com. All right, we'll put that on the screen. Get oh, my book. Yes. Can't see it. The Alabaster Alab Girl. The Alabaster Girl. Yeah. You know what? I had the alabastagirl.com, which is like you can come and get my book for free and as a gift and I'll sign it and send it to you. But because of this publish or because of this uh, coronavirus, I can't, I'm out of books. I can't send I can't any books anymore. to nobody. Jesus. Oh, I those things are going to become so. collector's items now that they've been forcibly put out of print. I actually have, I know I have your book on my Kindle. It's been sitting on there for a year or something. Cause I, at some point I was like, people kept on saying the name of this book. And, and just like with all other self-help books by anyone, I just go, ah, yeah, I'll check it I out. I understand, yeah. And then, but yeah. then I finally, because everyone just, I mean, any person that mentioned it said this was great. So I did download it. So I'm so close to reading it. It's there. <laughs> I am going to read it. And then we're going to have another discussion so we can chat about it another time. Let me know what you think, brother. I will. Okay, yeah, well, thank you sure. so much. So this uh, today, what is the date today? Fourth, fifth? This is uh, James Marshall reporting on the 5th of April from Coimbra, Portugal, while speaking to the one and only Zan Perion in Bucharest, Romania. I hope you guys really yeah. enjoyed this. And if you do, did or do, share it, comment on it, uh, pass it around and petition both of us to do something like this again. And we probably will. Yeah, that's great, man. Good to talk to you, man. Seriously, I really like it a lot. Me too. All right, thank you, ladies it's and gentlemen. Fun. This is James Marshall, Zan Perion, and we're out. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural, Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The, the Natural, Natural TV. TV. See you on the next episode.